Welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Candice. And I'm Daniel. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. This helps others find our podcast and get even more information about coping with infertility. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date with our story, you can follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. Have a great topic for our podcast? Email us at thevanwades at gmail.com. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Hello, I'm fine. Hello. Wow. How are Coming you? in loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump right into this episode. Um, We got a lot of feedback on the episode about endometriosis. I got a lot of messages um, with women basically really identifying with it and sharing their stories with me. And it's really sad the amount of women that I have this in common with. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but just... The fact that it went undetected for so long and the fact that people were ignored just like I was by their provider for yeah. so long. Um, so I really wanted to do a follow-up episode to that. And if you didn't listen to the first episode that we put out about that, I was joined by my cousin Elena who went through severe endometriosis mm-hmm. for many years and um, lost her ability to have children because of it, which is really unfortunate. Recommend you go and listen to the yeah, episode. Yeah, go listen to it. It's um, in season one. It's episode seven. It's not like a two-parter. You don't have to listen to it before this one because we're going to talk about different things today. But um, I just wanted to do a follow-up episode about it. And actually, this episode is more about... Why in the heck is endometriosis so controversial in the medical field? Mm-hmm. I really don't understand. I mean, the information is out there. I feel like the information for other diseases is out there and it's taken seriously. Yeah. So I'm just not sure why endometriosis is taken seriously by some providers and not others. Yeah. So why is it so controversial? Like, what is it that I don't know? You know, like, the conspiracy theorists are like, oh, man, they've already got an the alternative. The conspiracy yeah, theorists? Yeah, really nice. But, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, yeah, they've already got an alternative to uh, gasoline, you know? But they're just not sharing it because the gas companies want to make so much money or whatever. Maybe it's something like that. Like, mm. oh, yeah, we we need to control the population, so let's not speak about that's sick that's a sick dude thing to even say humans are sick i mean if we want to control the population i can think of other ways like sterilizing certain people who should not be having kids whoa 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 hitler like repeat offenders no i'm seriously like like women who are repeat offenders who are criminals (laughs) who who are what i'm serious You're calling people who have kids repeat offenders no i'm saying women who are like drug addicts who are arrested all the time 
That's what a repeat offender is. A my criminal. Idea. My idea is better than yours. Are you ready for this? No, it's not. Listen to my idea. To let people that have endometriosis just continue No, 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 no. It? That's not my idea. My idea is when males and females are born, we implant some sort of chip in them that stops them being able to have kids until they apply for a license to have children. Interesting. Yeah, like we have to have a license to drive a motor vehicle, but we don't have to have a license to have kids. Yeah. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Do I well, sound like Hitler? Or? we're getting off on yeah, some kind of sorry. a sick tangent. People are going to stop listening I to like us. these two. They seem nice until they <laughs> went on that Hitler rant. Um, okay, so in this episode, I just wanted to talk about the history of the research about endometriosis. I know what you're going to say, Daniel. No. This is important, guys. This is important because this is the information that our providers are reading, supposedly. Um, you know, my RE is always talking, well, my, my old RE is always, was always talking about research and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I just don't know why he wasn't reading research about endometriosis. Because it's not a factor. I just want to outline the knowledge about endometriosis that is available so that we can sort out and kind of see why certain REs are divided and on the fence about this disease. They should be conducting their practices via evidence-based research, and most do. My clinic, you know, like I said, talked talks a lot about oh, well, that's not evidence-based and blah, 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 blah. So why aren't they reading evidence about endometriosis? I don't know. Good question. Some of you have actually written me and told me that your doctors don't believe that endo causes endometriosis. And I'm just wondering why. So, Especially when an OB can say, yes, it absolutely does. But as soon as you get to an RE, they have different views. Yeah. Like, a lot of OBs recognize that it does. I'm not sure why REs, like, most REs don't. It doesn't make sense to me. So, if you can have this kind of information in your back pocket, you can be equipped to rebut if a provider tells you that endometriosis does not cause infertility because that's a load of crap. Now it doesn't cause infertility for everyone. I will say it just depends on the severity, the location, you know, just because you have endometriosis doesn't mean you can't have kids. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't even realize they Mm -hmm. have it and they have kids just fine. Yeah. But they also don't go through years of fertility treatment and get jacked up on estrogen, which further irritates their endometriosis. So So, as we've mentioned in many episodes, you have to be an advocate for yourself. When you go to your RE, if they're not telling you the things you want to hear or what you think will work, you have to do it. We didn't know that going in. We've found it out after years and lots of money, but if you do it, you can save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of money and a lot of time. That's right. And do your research and be knowledgeable and have this kind of stuff in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. So here's what I've learned 
over the years about endometriosis. I want to start, and I know this is, this seems really sciencey and nerdy, but I want to start with the in, the origin of endometriosis. And my point is because the research that's going on now, the research that's been going on the past 10 or 20 years, why are we doing research on this? Because at one point, someone discovered endometriosis. So endometriosis and adenomyoma, these are actually um, non-symptomatic tumors, but are commonly associated with endometriosis. They were first described by a man named Carl Endo Rokitansky in 1860. That's a long time ago. Hmm. He wasn't actually um, given credit with naming endometriosis. That was a man named John Sampson. This guy, John Sampson, actually performed a surgery on a woman. She was on her period, and he noticed that the lesions outside of her uterus were bleeding, like there were lesions on her organs, and they were bleeding as well. Gross. Like she was on her period, and they were also bleeding. He was doing surgery for something else. And he was like, hmm, what is this? And this was in 1927. Um, what he, a year. He, he attributed the presence of the lesions on the outside of the uterus to tubal malfunction. So we know that endometriosis is caused, one of the causes that is theorized is that the tubes flow out and draw uterine, intrauterine tissue that should be being sloughed off and going out of the vagina mm. on a period, but it's going through the tubes and out the tubes into the body. Oh, so it so like it's drawing that. toxins and kind of passing it around your body. Well, you know, like when you have your period, you bleed out. Yeah. Well, when you have endometriosis, it goes up through your tubes oh. and out into the body. That must be why it's so painful. Yes. Yes. Well, the lesions are really what's very painful. So in 1932, not that long after that... A study was conducted on 135 patients. The majority of those patients were ages 20 to 45, and the youngest was 16. The oldest was 61. So those were outliers, really. Mm -hmm. The principal inclusion criteria for their participation was that they all had to have experienced pelvic pain related to menstruation. So they were all operated on. 20 of them had adenomyoma, and 15 had endometriosis. If you're bad at math like me, I will let you in on a clue. 20 plus 115 is 135, meaning all 135 of those participants either had endometriosis or adenomyoma. In the 40s, they discovered the hormones that were associated with endometriosis and the potential use of hormonal therapies was introduced at that time. So we're talking about the 40s. That was not that long ago. Well, I mean... I mean, it really it was wasn't that long ago. When you think about ago. progressing yeah, yeah. from knowing a disease back in the 1800s 
I mean, not much has been learned over the years from the 1800s. Now you're talking about 1940. Yeah. Just um, quickly, I always want to say learnt and not learned. Learnt. Yeah. No, that's not correct. No, it's not, but it just feels right. Mm, interesting. Yeah, onwards. So after the hormonal therapies were kind of introduced, laparoscopy was introduced in the 1960s. That's not that long ago when you're talking about progressing, you know, in science and medicine. So then in the 80s, the discovery of the different types of lesions emerged. So there's early active, there's advanced, and then there's healed. Those are the different types of lesions that are associated with endometriosis. And that is to do with the progress or the actual stage that the lesion is in. So generally lesions will flare up. So they could either be active, they could be regressing, things like that. So as you can see, there's not been a lot of groundbreaking information about endometriosis. I guess the reason is because it's not life-threatening right is there any history of someone ever dying from endo no it feels like you're gonna die yeah sometimes. No, I be- believe me i bet i remember how much pain you're in but but i mean if you think about like ivf yeah um you know the first ivf baby was born back in the 70s mm-hmm. so it feels like in reproductive assistance and in reproductive medicine where, yeah, I mean, it's not life-threatening. And what a time to be alive. We have the opportunity and we have IVF available to us mm-hmm. and our grandparents didn't. No, no. So it's kind of amazing. And, and maybe this is just kind of where we are in history is that endometriosis is I guess like you said it's not life-threatening so people are slow to do the research there is a lot of research out there I'm just trying to compile the more groundbreaking information we are learning more I would say there has been more current research one recent study claims there is increasing evidence that endometriosis is part of a uterine Reproductive dysfunction syndrome. For prevention of complications, it is very important that diagnosis is made as early as possible in a woman's life. Wow. Well, well, well. Nice of you to say. Thanks for that. And listen, in the interest of not having confirmation bias, because I I don't just look for things that support my theory, I look for all information when I'm searching for research about endometriosis, I want to see what is out there, not necessarily what I believe is true. So I did find this empirical review. Um, and <laughs> I got to be honest, when I read this line, I just, my jaw dropped. Here it goes. So they said, endometriosis has no pathognomonic signs or symptoms. 
therefore it is difficult to diagnose. Let me tell you what pathognomonic means. It means that there is a particular symptom associated with the disease. So let's just say like ringworm, you know, it's like a very distinct thing on the skin that tells you, oh, it's ringworm. Mm -hmm. But guys, if this is true, why, why are we diagnosing anything? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like a heart attack, for instance, it, it has many symptoms. You can't, you wouldn't just say, oh, there's pain in his left arm. So it's a, it's a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Well, what if he slept on it wrong the night before? I just think it's ignorant to say that every disease has one thing that's exclusive to that particular disease. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for instance, 100%. cancer. Let let me let me just talk about this for a minute. My cousin had breast cancer. She woke up in the middle of the night throwing up. She thought she had the flu. So she drove herself to the hospital. She had a fever. She was throwing up. You know, these are flu symptoms. Like Mm -hmm. she thought she had the flu, but she had cancer. Again, cancer does not have one exact symptom associated with it. Now you could do further testing and find out that someone has cancer, but it is a group of symptoms and signs And to say that endometriosis doesn't have one symptom associated with it, therefore it's difficult to diagnose, Mm -hmm. is stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. No, it doesn't have one particular thing. It has a group of symptoms that you may have two of, one of, five of, just like any other disease. So it's it doesn't make it hard to diagnose. That's a that's a dumb thing to say. Yeah. Really dumb. And it really irritated me. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, it really irritated take, me. Take some deep breaths. Okay, back in the room. While I may have certain symptoms, and Elena had certain symptoms, and her severity was more, it doesn't mean that we didn't have the same thing. It means that there's a spectrum there. Sure. It's a spectrum. There are stages to endometriosis. There are severities. So the fact that they said that really made me mad. It's lazy to make a statement like that in an empirical review. And by the way, empirical reviews are papers written about other people's research. So little dig at that author. So the CDC identifies endometriosis as a common reproductive health concern for women. And this information was last updated April of 2018. So the Center for Disease Control is acknowledging that endometriosis is a, is a concern for the reproductive health of women. The CDC. So why not doctors? Why, why are they doctors? disregarding I'm sure, this? I'm sure doctors are on the CDC. Yeah, but why are they thinking that it's not a health concern the same way that and our ob sees it as a reproductive issue our re doesn't i guess no one can agree like i said earlier it's true that some women that have endometriosis get pregnant naturally and have healthy babies i'm sure this is true 
but they probably have a really low stage of endometriosis and they probably yeah. it's probably located in areas where it's not making a huge impact on their fertility. I had a girl message me once that said her mom had endometriosis and conceived her just fine. Um, but after she had her, she had problems getting pregnant again. And that could be because maybe the endometriosis grew. Yeah, like flared um, up afterwards. Yeah, and if it's if it's such a low stage and maybe... Her mom was young when she had her. Pregnancy suppresses endometriosis naturally. And so maybe after she had her, it grew. Like it grew back. Um, or it just grew, you know. But generally, most of the messages that I get are from women who had unexplained infertility diagnoses and went years and years without getting a diagnosis of endometriosis so why is it difficult to diagnose and treat why after all that we've learned there's a couple factors here one is that there's no real non-invasive way to diagnose it there is the receptiva dx or drx or whatever it's called we spoke about this in uh, the treatments episode that we did testing episode that we did and that can reveal that you have a particular gene that predisposes you to have endometriosis but it doesn't actually say that you have it that's the test you had right no i never had this test done i asked for it but i didn't have it i mean but for dr braveman how he just did a he did a full immune panel, panel right? on yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so again, like I had a bunch of immune blood work done that didn't say that I f- for sure had it. It said that I probably do have it based on X, Y, and Z. And then the treatment methods for endometriosis, the only real treatment is removal. This, These oralissas and these... Um, you know, these medications that are on the market right now are actually not, not a good treatment for endometriosis. Why? Well, like there are specific types of birth control that people will be put on because they have endometriosis and that just suppresses the endometriosis and it helps with the symptoms for sure. But Oralissa is a GnRH receptor blocker. And GnRH is gonadotropin-releasing hormone that activates the receptors in the pituitary gland. And that sends the signal to your ovaries to tell them to produce the estrogen. So Oralissa blocks some of these receptors. And that, therefore, it reduces the amount of estrogen that is produced. And like I said before, being jacked up on estrogen feeds endometriosis. Yeah. Feeds your uterus, feeds your lining, but it also feeds the uterine tissue outside of your uterus. Hmm. So I don't know, guys. I think there's enough research out there to suggest that endometriosis is a huge concern that causes infertility. I agree. And if you have endometriosis and you know that you do, then you should be concerned about your reproductive health. And if you have symptoms of endometriosis and IVF is not working for you, 
or IVF is not going her way, I highly recommend you just stop and get that taken care of because you will waste money. I mean, I know that we carried on with IVF when we really didn't need it in the first place. Had we had this assessed a long time ago, Mm -hmm. uh, we wouldn't have, you know, spent endless amounts of money Mm -hmm. that we didn't need to. I think I said it best at the beginning of the episode, and that's if, if things aren't working, push back and make sure that you do what's best for you. Um it's it's clearly an impact on fertility um and just because a doctor can't agree with another doctor it doesn't mean that you shouldn't believe it is we're living proof so yeah and i was talking to blair about this in in our episode again um the fact that i had symptoms and i was told by many different doctors that they were attributed to some other reason, you know, they they were associated with an, a, dif- a different cause. Yeah. And so for many years, I would justify my symptoms thinking, oh, it's because I have a tilted uterus. Oh, it's just because my periods are painful. Like it, it never really came together until we were so far down the IVF road and it was not happening. And it wasn't until... It was too late, pretty much, and we had lost too much that I got frustrated, and I was like, no more of this. So listen to your body, do your research, be armed and prepared to push back if a provider is telling you that endometriosis does not cause infertility. Mm -hmm. That is hogwash. Find a different provider or find someone that will listen to you. Don't waste time like I did. It's I agree. Years you'll never get back. It's money you'll never get back. It's time you'll never get back, and it's heartache and embryos you'll never get back. So I hope this supplemental episode helped you guys a little bit. I know it was really researchy and history y and sciencey and kind of boring, but honestly, my purpose was really to just show you what our doctors are reading. What are they reading? Are they even reading stuff about endometriosis? I feel like they're kind of um, looking more into the latest and greatest things that will make them money instead of things that are inhibiting their patients from getting pregnant. Yeah. So. We should end on a joke. Okay. I had a dream I was drowning in an ocean of orange soda. When I woke up, I realized it was just fantasy. Fantasy. Wow. You like that? Yeah, that was great. You're welcome. Sorry, guys. I just thought it brightened the mood. (laughs) (laughs) On the bright side of things, you know, we are intuitive. We know our bodies well enough to know when something's wrong. So... Listen to your gut, listen to your body, observe your symptoms, and don't let anyone tell you that it's normal. I agree. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Candace. And I'm Daniel. No, no. No, I. No, I. Bye. Bye.